0: Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina.
1: Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us today is Rena Raphael, author of the brand new book, The Gospel of Wellness. And I am so excited to have her on today to talk about this because I really think that we all need to reevaluate and have a more nuanced take on the diet and fitness and wellness and clean beauty and all of that, the whole industry. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I, I'm i a little obsessed with is how capitalism and sort of the, quote, wellness and diet and fitness industry, how they're toxic. It's one of the things that I um, think a lot about because... I'm a feminist um, and so I have that lens um, and I apply it to most things in the world, but I'm also somebody who was an athlete and I love working out and I love yoga and I love facials and I, you know, so I participate in the same way you do and you say this in your book, like you're doing a critique of the industry, but you're doing it from the perspective of somebody who, you know, advertisements work on you and me and we participate in this industry as well. So my first question is is really about why you wanted to do the critique because as somebody who participates in it, you know, it's hard to sort of observe that you're participating in something that might not be good.
0: Right. So it's a really nuanced take, right? There's good, there's bad, and there's a whole lot in between. Yep. Obviously, I don't take issues with, you know, gyms or good nutrition or all the things like you that we love about this industry but there has been troubling trends. And so what really drew me to this project was first and foremost, you know, wellness is now a $4.4 trillion global industry. So why is this happening? Why now? What are we and specifically women looking for? And then of course, how does this industry capitalize on our deep desires and vulnerabilities? So it's really not just looking at the bad side of wellness, but also the good. And also, why is everyone, you know, obsessed with juice bars now and going to boutique fitness gyms? And there it's, are very specific reasons why.
1: Oh, it's, it's so, so true. I mean, one of the things that I ranted about at the very beginning of the pandemic, and I guess this is one of those moments um, when I had an epiphany, I was like, oh my gosh, this is wild what people are doing. And I've since deleted Instagram and we'll talk about Instagram later. But um, I remember being like maybe the first week of the pandemic, you know, I had escaped to New York and went to the woods in Virginia with my family. And so I'm like scrolling like everyone else. And, you know, I see a whole lot of posts, like a lot. And I follow a lot of like quote unquote fitness, wellness people that are personal development types. Um, And they were posting things like, I'm going to tell you how to, you know, get the most out of your quarantine or like, you know, how to b- live your best life in the pandemic. And I'm like, okay, I think that we didn't, we, we all need to take a pause in a moment to like, mm-hmm. we don't need to live our best life in the pandemic. We need to survive the pandemic. That's it. Like all just intact. That's the only goal that I have, whether or not I have, you know, my under eye bags are um minimized um in the pandemic is like maybe not shouldn't be like my highest priority like i i shouldn't live my best life i shouldn't have to write like my screenplay and book and like you know do all my side businesses and hustles and you know remake my pantry with all the labels like home edit i don't have to do any of that i just need to survive the pandemic so can you talk a bit about how some of this toxicity predated the pandemic but also seems like it it got worse In the pandemic right
0: right so everything we're seeing right now in the wellness industry has really deep historic roots but what we're seeing now with commodified wellness which is very separate from real wellness is that it's infused with hyper consumerism individualism but also as you just mentioned productivity pressures Mm. we've come to believe that we have to work out a certain way buy certain things do particular activities and sometimes it has the opposite effect it's making people unwell or it's stressing people out. I mean, I even interviewed a whole bunch of women who said they were now stressed about their self-care rituals. They really thought that if they didn't, you know, prioritize a bubble bath or, or do all these skincare masks and they were doing it wrong. And, and that's, again, like, and that's part of the problem that there's this inherent messaging that's almost about perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And, but what you are seeing now is that, especially coming out of the pandemic, A lot of people are saying, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) Um, You see a consumer wisening up and saying, I don't need to do all these things. I don't need to buy all these things. So there has been a little bit of a course correction that just comes from fatigue or, you know, women have a beauty cabinet filled to the brim with stuff that doesn't work, supplements, CBD creams, whatnot. And so now they're kind of saying, you know what? I'm not buying all in on the marketing and cure all claims.
1: Oh, I feel this in my in my spirit deeply because, um, as I said, advertisements work on me. It's one of those things that I had to become self-aware of. You know, when you have like, you know, five different versions of body wash and you're like, what, why did it work so effectively on me? They just put like a purple label, not a pink one. And I'm like, oh, this must be extra special different. Um, and so I I sort of had to become more aware of how – all of this stuff was working you mentioned something that's i think really deep which is this idea that we are all sort of bought in in hyper consumerism to this idea that if we buy this thing like whatever it is in that context then we will be happier we will be better and one of the things that you said in the book that i think is really important is that you know even gwyneth paltrow and goop comes up obviously as the center point of the of the conversation sort of like the one end of the spectrum here we're talking about. And it's this idea that if you put what Gwyneth Paltrow puts in her body, in your body, then you will look like Gwyneth Paltrow on the outside, like Gwyneth Paltrow looks like on the outside. And like that premise is like basically why advertisements like get us to buy all this shit because they sell this idea that if we buy this thing, then we will feel a certain way. It will look like the model in the advertisement. And like, we're not, ever going to get there. So it, at the core of it, where do you see this idea that like basically what they're selling us um, is this idea that we need to fix ourselves to be happy? Right.
0: So some companies do sell essentially uh, a fantasy. And throughout the book, I sort of deconstruct uh, a lot of the marketing tricks. But what we're seeing now with wellness is that they are basically adapting manipulative strategies from the fashion and beauty industries. Um, Or in the case of let's say, you know, healthy beverages, they really use tactics that come from the alcohol industry. Um, And that's because a lot of the marketers, publicists, um, brand specialists who used to work in fashion and beauty now work for the wellness industry. You know, all the publicists a decade ago, I'm a journalist who used to pitch me a clothing line are now selling me supplements. And I think once people realize how they're being marketing to, they really understand, at least I do a little bit more, um, how they're being targeted and they don't buy it as much, or they're just a little bit more aware and don't blame themselves when something doesn't work because you know what, if you just treat it like a beauty product, you're maybe a little bit more relaxed about it.
1: Oh it's so it's so so true. I mean, the supplements thing is is a real thing. I mean, one of the things that um I mean, I definitely, you know, I drink a nutrition shake, but that's like the only thing that I do. Like I even stopped taking multivitamins cuz I was watching um some documentary that was like you actually You get the most of the nutrients through your food if you're eating vegetables. Mm -hmm. So you don't actually need this extra thing. Um, And, you know, I feel like that that's sort of the premise that we all start from. Like we need something extra, something extra is going to be like that extra special ingredient. That's going to be the key in whatever, you know, life, happy life we're trying to create. I mean. You also mentioned how it's compared to the fashion fashion industry. And I think this is a really important and profound point because there's something about the idea that if I put a certain outfit on my body, I'm not saying that there's no truth to this. If you put a certain outfit on your body, number one, it's going to look exactly like the model, but two, it will make you feel better. Can you talk about like where that comes from? Why do we think that like, if we put a thing on our body, it will make us feel better on the inside.
0: Um, yeah sorry for the background noise (laughs) Um, yeah so you're right that there is a sort of culture of lack that makes us feel like we always need something that we don't have enough Um, specifically with supplements which are usually touted by influencers listen they got to make a living they got to make a sale so you know there's no money to be told and telling people like hey just try your best to eat a healthy diet or (laughs) go for a walk I mean they have to do this so that you know they can pay the bills Um, but you know A lot of the wellness industry is rooted in belief and a lot of psychology and sometimes even just buying a product, buying a supplement, buying some self-care spa goodie, makes you feel better, almost as if you've taken action towards your health. I'm not saying it's all placebo, but there's so much psychology involved here and that's kind of what I wanted to get into in the book about what we feel when we do these things.
1: So what what did you find? Because I feel like part of it is you do. So obviously, um, we all have an online shopping addiction that we're working through. We all shop a lot online. Um, I'm speaking for myself, but I know that I'm not the only one. So I'm just going to like put myself in the group. Um, And I feel like part of that is the dopamine hit you get from like opening the box and like seeing what's inside, like Christmas. Um, Can you talk a bit about like the fact that it's basically a temporary pie. You're like, ooh, and then it doesn't fix, it doesn't fix your life. It doesn't make your life better. That one thing you bought. So then you buy some more, and then it's this vicious cycle that we're on.
0: Yeah. Well, listen. America is a hyper consumer society. We express ourselves through shopping. That's never going to change. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, it, there's there's a lot involved there in terms of. Sorry, what was your second
1: question again? Um, no, it's just like, basically, we, we it's a vicious cycle where we, yes. are, we think that buying this thing was, is going to fix it, and then it doesn't. So then we're like, okay, the next thing, the next right. thing, the next thing.
0: Yeah, I actually have a chapter called Why is the Advice Always Yoga that kind of yes! gets at this, that um, basically, <laughs> we're just sort of masking the symptoms. We're not getting at the root issues. You know, you're not stressed because you didn't do enough bubble baths. You're stressed maybe because you don't have good work-life balance or your boss, you know, messages you after 6 p.m. But instead, we're just telling people, no, you have to do all of these things to stress yourself. And it puts the burden on the individual. And the problem with that is then it leads to self-blame. You think if I'm not Zen enough, it's because I didn't work on my self-care or, or I didn't work enough hard to get myself mentally well. When the truth is, is that there's external forces at play. And so we're almost like redirecting ourselves to the wrong things.
1: Oh, that is so profound and true. Um, One of the other things that I think is happening right now is there's this weird, um, not weird, but interesting, actually, um, distinction forming between Instagram and TikTok. And I, I am a little bit obsessed with this because I think in some ways, Instagram became one of those places where, not that TikTok doesn't have this, but it's a lot different Um, this sort of glamorized, you know, very white, minimalist, wellness, diet, personal development aesthetic to it. Um, And I feel like there's been a lot of research and study about how Instagram and these social media apps are impacting the mental health of young young girls and young people. Um, Can you talk a bit about how the wellness industry plus social media becomes this like really toxic combination that I think is manifesting in, in the differences you're starting to see between Instagram and TikTok because of the differences between millennials and Gen Z, frankly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I actually just did a piece for the LA Times a few weeks ago about how Gen Z um, is impacting the wellness industry and how they see things very differently. And I think, uh, as you said, a really good distinction is Instagram versus TikTok. Instagram sells these sort of beautiful perfect fantasies with these stunning marble countertop kitchens and everyone looks so perfectly put together and that's really more associated with the millennial generation that wanted kind of everything to look and be perfect um and you're seeing gen z kind of rebel against that and they don't want the wellness that millennials really touted for so long because they're all about mental health and they don't want things to be so perfectly put together. Um, So I do speak to Gen Zers who say, you know what, I'm gonna have an Oreo and I'm gonna be fine, you know? And they think that's kind of like rebelling against wellness culture. But you know, TikTok has its own issues. I mean, Mm -hmm. they have um, a whole bunch of health myths. They have uh, influencers who are spreading misinformation about what you need to do for your health. So they have their own issues, that's for sure, but they're very, very different issues.
1: It's it's really, really interesting to see the, the generational divides that are developing. I mean, I think, um, you know, Gen Z um, is much more, they have more information, even than millennials do, in terms of how these marketers um, work and how they operate. And like people have sort of demystified some of the matrix for them. Um, one of the other questions I had was about clean beauty, because... That's something that I definitely am interested in because you know I've def I've, I've read some of the research about like some of the chemicals in our makeup and our lotions and our products that are related to breast cancer, um, like parabens, um, and even specifically black women in breast cancer. And so I you know I definitely went through my bathroom one day and took looked on all the labels and made sure I didn't have any of that and made sure I'm swapping out things if if I did see that is that maybe like the best version of sort of thinking about clean beauty because that feels like a marketing difference from like makeup and beauty products when we were growing up Right. So, it's a really, really complex issue. Um, I have a whole
0: chapter on it because it is so difficult to just, to really wrap up. But I will say that a lot of the clean beauty marketing um, is exaggerating harm and risk. Um, and I think even the idea of calling certain products clean uh, presumes yeah. that other products are toxic. Right. And what does that do to a whole group uh, of people who can't afford clean beauty products? Right. And also... We then terrify people about their products. When to be honest, um, your beauty products are pretty low on the list of things that could harm you in comparison to, let's say, your water or air. But again, there's no money to be told and telling people not to breathe or drink water. Um, So, uh, you know, I do go through you know the things that are completely valid and the things that are really just there to make a sale.
1: Mm. I mean, it's so it's so deep and complicated, and, and one of the other parts of the story is that basically most of this marketing is not based on like science, right? I mean, it's not they're not doctors, you know. There's pe- there's people in lab coats in many of these advertisements, but they're are not actually doctors that are doing research into a lot of this before they're being sort of sold. These these claims are being sold in these advertisements.
0: Well, I'm not sure if you're talking about clean beauty, but clean beauty, I mean, scientists do work on these issues. There's tons of research, but with plenty of other sort of wellness rituals or supplements, Mm. um, you know, it's really kind of murky. I mean, Mm -hmm. you'll have things that are quote, you know, clinically tested, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily effective. That doesn't mean it went through, um, you know, the right trials and then it has medical researchers vouching for its efficacy. So that's where sometimes it does become a little shoddy. And Who are you taking your health advice from? Is it from an influencer? Do they have health and medical credentials? Um, Are they a registered dietitian? Um, If not, maybe
1: you should pause before buying their supplements. I think most, most of the time you should pause (laughs) before buying something. I find that like, if I put it on my Pinterest board, Um, Which I just learned on TikTok the other day means you're pinning your interest. And I was like, my brain is exploding. I didn't realize that. Um, But anyway, I I feel like putting in my Pinterest is the pause between me and just like shopping immediately. Um, I want to talk about Gwyneth Paltrow because you focus a lot on Goop and Gwyneth Paltrow. And I feel like she... um, it is representative of one end of the spectrum, and it's it's a it's nuanced, as you said. I think that's the part of this whole conversation that people need to keep in mind is that we're, there's no attack on any one company or any one person, um, but there are aspects to Goop um, that are not necessarily healthy for the rest of us. Because as I said, you you are um, in the book. You talk about how we think that if we consume the thing, Gwyneth Paltrow consumes on the inside that will look like her on the outside and nobody like no we're just not so can you talk a bit about goop and how how the rise and the popularity of goop um contributes to the industry and its growth and sort of how it's run amok
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's a really mixed bag right because i do speak to some women who are attracted to not just goop but goop like outlets or influencers um, because they're frustrated that they don't have any treatments for chronic conditions, mm-hmm. um, and that's and they get a lot out of these spaces. Um, you know, if you go on Goop, you'll find a lot of pieces on chronic conditions, on on Lyme disease, on fibromyalgia, and so that's really important for people who aren't who are very frustrated. And you know, I get into this in the book, and you know, that's why we have to advocate for more funding and research for women's health conditions, mm-hmm. that should be the answer. Uh, so I really sympathize with those women. Uh, at the same time, uh, Goop isn't always selling uh, medically touted solutions, and that that's sort of the issue. But more than that, Goop is really selling a wellness lifestyle, right? It becomes associated uh, with a certain type of woman or a certain type of aesthetic, or let's even say a body type. And that's where i think there is some danger for the average woman because they think that in order to be quote unquote healthy they have to do all these things and they have to look a certain way or behave a certain way um and and that's sort of what i take issue with in terms of sort of i call them the goops of the world that it shouldn't be an aspirational lifestyle to be healthy
1: mm-hmm. i mean it what, what would it look like if we all tomorrow woke up with a, a less toxic um idea of wellness i mean sometimes i think it's it's simpler my my i have a good therapist who often sort of tells me to take a nap right like i'll be like i need to like do all of these special things and she's like you need a nap that's all you really need it'll fix most of your problems um you know even just the idea of like oh I, you know maybe i need a hobby so i'm more interesting she's like you need to lay down that's what your hobby is going to be napping um and she's very good at, at giving me sort of that practical advice to get me to off you know walk me back from the ledge, but can you talk a bit about how in the last three minutes here, um, just about, you know, the simpler things we could be doing as opposed to putting like all these specialized creams on our bodies to make us feel good.
0: (laughs) Right, I think we've definitely seen that we can fetishize health and that's not good for us. Um, But you know, it's really, really individualistic. So I think people just need to figure out what works for them and sort of block out the noise. If you enjoy going for a walk, go for a walk. If you want to sit down and drink a cup of tea, do that. I think throughout the pandemic, when we were sort of barred from all of, you know, the fancy treatments or going on retreats or whatever it is that some people did, they realized that the simpler things work just as well. Um, But the most important thing that I would say that does not get enough attention within this industry is communal and social support. You know, I know it's not easy to make time to go see friends and to see people. Everyone's working so hard, but that is like one of the most important aspects that I really wish all of us could prioritize more.
1: Oh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think the most important thing we, well, lesson I hope we take from the pandemic years is the importance of community um, Mm. and, and the importance of, you know, having those people even if it's a small group, you don't need a lot of friends. Like this whole social media world where you got thousands of friends, like you only need like three, really. I mean, the quality. Um, and one, one of my best friends, Jess McIntosh, who um, everybody knows because she used to co host this, this morning show, she always says, you know, the definition of a friend is somebody you would call in a bad, if you're having a bad day, like the, the moment you're about to like break down into tears, it's that person you're going to call. And if that, per- if, if, the, you know, there's only three people on the list of people you would call in that moment. Then those are your friends, and the rest of the people in your life, you know, there's another name for them, and it's no less valid um, that you know you are categorizing people this way. But it is okay to just have just a very very small group, and then you're supporting each other as a community. That's it. Um, it's it, you don't overcomplicate it too much, and don't get yeah. too many hobbies. That I think that was like a good piece of this too. <laughs> Take away from it: don't make wellness your hobby. Don't make um, all of this stuff that's being marketed to us, um, a part of your personality, um, just go for a walk and lay down. I think it's the blur. Rena Raphael, this book is really, really, really needed in this particular moment. It is called The Gospel of Wellness, and everybody should get it, because we we do have to, we want to feel happy and better, but we don't have to buy stuff in order to do that. (laughs) We don't have to buy this stuff, and people are getting rich off of our insecurities. you know, the stuff that we think that we need. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It was really great to have you. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.